It is Mafiga Zola coming through with Corner, and that is your big fat juicy for this hour. Standing by on the line, we're talking all things motoring with Nico. Morning, Nico. All things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. <laughs> I was a bit fast. Good morning, Bridget. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you very much. Rev up my engine. What are we talking about today? Great. Well, you know what? Let's start with something that I found quite interesting. Is BMW, BMW, Mercedes Benz, rather, mm. said um, that they now have technology um, in the car that can recognise a pothole. Now, I'm not sure if this is for South Africa, so I don't think um, BMW. This is not necessarily Mercedes Benz South Africa that have said this, mm. but internationally they've said that um, in the suspension of the new C class and S class mm-hmm. um, uh, and EQS. Um, what happens is the car, as it goes through the pothole, can recognize that that's a pothole because obviously the, the wheel will move quite a lot. So there will be quite a, a, a big um, a shudder or movement through the wheel. Mm. Now, with most cars, especially for, for, for German manufacturers and a lot of other manufacturers as well, already have built-in SIM cards. In other words, the car has a, has a built-in SIM, SIM card um, and uh, the manufacturers talk about something called car-to-x services. Car-to-x services. That means that the cars can talk to themselves. Of course, there's a as an owner, you can switch off the privacy if you don't want that. Mm-hmm. But what happens is if your car is now connected to the Mercedes-Benz cloud um, and these cars are talking to each other, um, the car will then, um, let's say one car goes through a pothole, recognizes it, sends it to the cloud. Then uh, another car that goes in the same area will be warned in the navigation system. So if there's a pothole up ahead, the car will give you a visual warning and it might actually even give you an audible warning that by saying pothole ahead just before you get to the pothole to warn you. Mm. So that's something that's quite interesting. I think South Africa, that system in certain areas might be busy all the time. <laughs> but uh, it is, a, it is a, a, an interesting technology where the manufacturers, um, you know, a few years ago, quite a few years ago, we just bought cars and we drove around in them. But cars have, have, have got so many more technologies uh, that try and make this driving process better, especially things like the car to X services. Um, and other manufacturers I've seen talking about cars recognizing parking. So as you're driving or certain parking spots, and just I'm talking about parking in the street, mm. the cars will know where the parkings are. So um, if you then go look at, uh, um, at parking your car um, and you switch on the function, you'll be able to see where parkings are available. Um, things like Car2X can also be used uh, when you're driving and let's say there's an accident up ahead. Um, your car, if it's uh, on a network, will then be warned that there's an accident up ahead. Uh, or that even there's snow and ice or tricky conditions. So that's what these car to x services do. They try and preempt by the experience of one go- car going through whatever condition mm-hmm. and telling a whole lot of other cars in that area that conditions are tricky or this is where you can park or there's potholes there. Yeah. I'm a bit scared, Nico, I must admit. I mean, it all sounds great and fantastic, but then in mm-hmm. my mind, I think, how does all of this interplay with insurance companies and when do they start finding the loophole to use all of this ah, information against that, you? Yeah, you know, that, the thing is, you can always start thinking like that because, uh, and that, that, that can be a, a concern as well if you are a person that likes driving faster because <laughs> these cars know, for instance, how fast you're going because they look at the speed of the vehicle, um, where the vehicle is at that moment. So mm. you're right. So um, I think uh, it, the technologies, of course, need to be um, used for driving only. But when they become sort of a stick now and, and you're getting worried about where you're being tracked and what you're doing mm. and, and do they know exactly where you are, um, some people might not like that function uh, or like the fact that you're communicating all the time. 
But um, uh, what I've seen so far is that you can switch off the privacy in your car. Mm-hmm. So currently that, that's an option and because there's a lot of cars now with, with car already with, with, with internet services or cars that are connected to the internet. Yes. But you have a choice of switching off the privacy. So in other words, if you don't want them to know that you are driving through potholes or where you are, of course, that can be switched off. Yeah. I mean, there's a weird dongle. So as a disclaimer, when you said, you know, Mercedes-Benz, I already I perked up because I'm a fan. And, and that's that's just where my heart lies. <laughs> and, and there was a weird dongle that my service guy put in my car the other day. And yes. and apparently it's a it's like a find your car gizmo thing that Mercedes now attaches to your car. It connects to your phone, so when you like power up your car, it then starts tracking your car. You you can find it. It tells you how much fuel you're using, how much mm. you know the fuel you've got left, and how far you can go. And again, my whole big question was, but how are you going to be abusing this information to benefit you as a brand? I, I, well, so so just so some ba- some some background on that, of course, if you're buying a new Mercedes-Benz um, uh, vehicle, then they are, have, have a built-in SIM card and they have SOS services. In the case of an emergency, mm. you can press an SOS button or um, yes. you get a service. And um, So in other words, there's lots of services go with that. Um, and the dongle is for cars that might not have um, been initially launched with that, so they mm. simply plug it in. It's almost like retrofitting. Um, so the convenience part of that, I think, is really quite nice. If you, mm. if you like technology and you're a person that's into technology, mm. and I think it's a, it's a nice thing if you, ooh, did I lock the car? You know, especially I'm a bit OCD. So if you, <laughs> um, I, I would have checked 20 times, but some people won't not, will not have checked. Or, you know, you're not sure what the fuel level is. Mm. But I can tell you this, the manufacturers um, really safeguard their names as well. So any manufacturer will work on technology, and, uh, you know, you're a Mercedes-Benz fan, and they, they're definitely a brand that, that work on technology in their cars, and they've always looked mm. at safety as well. But the name to them is quite important. So they can't actually afford to, to do things where the customers start complaining because their privacy is not respected by the manufacturer. Mm. So I can tell you that any of these manufacturers would have gone a long way and have taken a lot of steps to, to respect the privacy of their customers because they can't afford any bad publicity and lose car sales. Mm. So I can, I can, let's say, rest assured, if I was you, it's a great technology, but um, I do not think in any way that Mercedes-Benz would abuse this technology um, for their own benefit. Definitely they will not. The, the idea with the technology is for your benefit as a user to say, actually, you know what, there's more than just driving your car from A to B. Mm. There's, there's more usability. There's the fact that you can, um, um, you know, um, you, your, your life is more integrated into the car, and that's actually what any manufacturer would want. Mm. So you're really almost buying into a system where you're so used to it and it's so convenient, you don't want to get out of the system. I got you. We've got a quick question for you, Nico, on WhatsApp. And uh, this is coming from Bob in Valcom. And uh, he says, W204, I don't know what that stands for, W204, uh, Mercedes, what is the service interval, 10,000 or 15,000? Okay, so what happens is um, um, any manufacturer um, has to have different model codes okay. um, so that you can know what car it is. So in other words, if you say W204, you'll know that, oh, that's a certain Mercedes-Benz, or W123, uh-huh. um, that's a Mercedes-Benz. In other words, that's like an internal code. Now, for most people, you'd say, oh, is that an E-class or is that a C-class? Yes. But if you really, um, uh, I don't want to use the word anorak because that's wrong, but if you're really into cars, you'll know the different models. And all manufacturers um, have these models that they use internally, um, and, and, and people that are big fans would normally know exactly what 
what car you, you're talking about. Uh-huh. When it comes to the service interval of that car, I actually do not know because um, I'm not 100% sure. And once I'm not 100% sure, I don't want to um, take any time. So what I, what I would suggest mm-hmm. is I suggest look in the owner's manual um, or simply phone Mercedes-Benz. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you're not servicing your car Mercedes-Benz, and doesn't matter where you're servicing it, they would be able to tell you um, exactly what the service intervals are. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's 15, um, but I'm not sure, and I don't want to, because I'm guessing now, so I'm, mm. I'm not 100% sure if I'm honest. Okay. So sorry, that's one for, uh, for you. <laughs> I don't exactly know the answer, but it should be one phone call away. Okay. Uh, what else of interest should I be knowing about this morning? I mean, already you've allayed my, my anxiety about all these <laughs> smart technologies. <laughs> You know what? I, I wanted to. Well, 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 well. You sort of have a choice because I, um, I have a, um, a, on a previous show we spoke about where different manufacturers um, come from. Let's talk a little bit about some more. For instance, Ferrari. I don't know if you know anything about the history of Ferrari. No, not at all. I so just Ferrari, know I can't uh, afford it. <laughs> yes, that's that, both of us. You and me both. Um, and even though if we pull our money together, we were well. I don't know what you're earning, but if we pull our money together, we still probably wouldn't be able to buy one. <laughs> But um, Ferrari, of course, that horse is known as the prancing horse. Mm. Um, and Enzo Ferrari, um, um, of course, uh, has a big racing background. So part of his, his, his drive was racing cars. Mm. So um, um, when he was racing cars at one of the racing, uh, racing events, um, uh, two pa- a parents, uh, uh, the parents of a, uh, a famous Italian um, fighter pilot from the First World War mm. called Fran- Francesco Baracca, um, and he was... Basically, I think I would let's say he was Italy's best um, um, fighter ace of the First World War. Mm. Um, they suggested to Enzo Ferrari that he puts this uh, uh, horse emblem on his race cars to bring him luck, because that was the emblem that his son had used on his fighter planes. Oh. So um, uh, he put that on, on on the cars, of course, and um, uh, already he was successful. And and, the, and that prancing horse then stuck with with Ferrari. Um, the late, the, the, if you look at the emblem of well, of course, that prancing horse later. Initially, the, the tail was downwards. They moved the tail upwards, mm. and the background is yellow, um, and that's uh, the, the colours of um, Enzo's um, the hometown of Medina. Oh. So that's where the prancing horse comes from. Uh, and then, uh, of course, a Ferrari is in a strange way linked to Lamborghini, because um, Ferruccio Lamborghini was a, a guy that, after the Second World War, made money by selling. Um, uh, first uh, agri- agricultural vehicles and then sort of making tractors and things. Um, he was quite successful. So um, I, I'm not sure how, but even until recently, you could buy Lamborghini tractors. But what had happened is um, uh, uh, Ferruccio Lamborghini had bought a Ferrari from Enzo Ferrari. Mm. Um, of course, Italians, and they lived close by. And, and then he was quite unhappy with the after-sale service and some of the parts he wasn't happy with on the Ferrari. And there was sort of a, a, a verbal fight between the two. And then... He decided, you know what, I'm going to make my own cars if, if you don't want to help me. <laughs> uh, so Lamborghini decided to make supercars. Now, he was born in uh, the month of May, which means his he's, um, star sign is a Taurus. Mm. But he also then visited the, 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 the stud farm of a guy called Don Eduardo Mura. Um, and he was really impressed with his fighting bulls and um, the, the, you know, the, the stud farm. So he decided to name all his cars after famous fighting bulls. For instance, Mura. Um, of course, is from Don Eduardo's Miro, his surname. Mm-hmm. But all the normally like Uraco or Marcelago or Diablo are names of famous fighting bulls that you find in uh, Italy. Oh. Um, one or two like Puntage is is a, is a, is, a, is, a, is normally um, as not a fighting bull, but most of them actually come from 
um, bullfighting. That's where Lamborghini comes from. Oh, I didn't know these things. Yes, you know what? Sometimes these stories are, are interesting. Um, if I say, um, I'm going to talk about two more. So let's, while I'm busy, um, I'd like people to, well, no, actually we've done this. I want to say people, you know, our listeners are really clever. Because <laughs> I wanted to say, do they know where BMW's logo comes from? Now, a lot of people immediately when they talk about BMW, they say, oh, you know what? That's a spinning propeller. Uh-huh. And actually, that's not exactly right. Um, the color is, um, in BMW's logo, it's a, it's a round, it's called a roundel, uh-huh. and then it has blue and white, um, like a blue and white cross. Yes. Um, and those are actually the, the colors of Bavaria, which is a province um, in, um, um, uh, in Germany, Germany where um, BMW is from. BMW is from Munich and Bavaria, and the colors are like a light blue and white. Yes. But later on, because it looks like a spinning propeller, they actually used um, that that emblem and and cleverly use it as a spinning propeller because, of course, they were making airplane engines and in the Second World War, they even made jet engines. So, mm. um, And then after the Second World War, actually at one stage, things were really going really badly. They were making pots and pans and Mercedes-Benz had an opportunity to buy BMW, which they did not. Mm. Um, and, of course, they... I don't want to call them arch rivals because <laughs> that's not exactly right, but, of course, one of the Mercedes-Benz's biggest rivals, BMW, then kept going. And, and then if we talk about Mercedes-Benz, um, they're, of course, the world's oldest, oldest car manufacturer. Um, and the guy by the name of Carl Benz made the first car in 1886. Now, his wife actually financed the first car. So oh. she actually put down the money. And his, his wife's actually important as well because she took the lo- first long-distance trip with his car. So he, he didn't know this, but she took the car um, and took the kids and went to visit her, her sister. Um, and had the, on the road trip that she drove, she, um, you know, sort of made some suggestions for improvements afterwards. So they had to improve the brakes. They had to put in a smaller, shorter gear so she could drive up the hills. Um, but of course, he um, initially called Benz, used his name, which is Benz. Mm. Um, and at the same time, Rocky Daimler um, also um, made a car, so they're very close together. Mm. And then one of the business partners of, of Carl Benz, um, um, a guy by the name of Emil Jelinek, his business partner, had actually been racing secretly um, um, as Mr. Mercedes. Now, uh, Emil Jelinek's daughter's his daughter's surname was, or his name rather, was Mercedes. But he was selling the cars in Austria as Mercedes instead of um, Benz because I think um, at that time it wasn't very popular to sell German cars or they didn't really mm. like the Germans very much in Austria. So he sold the cars as Mercedes. And then eventually um, these sort of four parts where Benz, um, uh, Carl Benz, um, the Mercedes and Gottlieb Daimler eventually came together to become Mercedes-Benz. And if you look at Mercedes-Benz's logo, it is a three-point star. Yes. Now, they make car engines, uh, and then they also started making um, engines for airplanes, mm. and they made engines um, for, for boats. So the idea was um, that three points represented sea, air, and land. So they really said, oh. well, we aim for superiority in sea, air, and land, hence that propeller signal from or, or sign from Mercedes-Benz. Wow, wow, wow. I have learned so much this morning. Like, you know what? I feel as if, and I'm a sucker for, you know, this kind of information. That did you know? <laughs> uh, well, let, let's do one more because I see we have a few more. Let's let you know. So let's talk about the third one in the, 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 the German tour, which of course is Audi. Yes. Now, oh, I'm, no, we couldn't have left them behind. People were going to shout. <laughs> of course not. That wouldn't be fair. So Audi, of course, was started initially as the Hawk Motor Company. Um, in 1899. So actually, again, they, 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 
these three are linked because August Hawk, the, the, the founder of, of, of Audi, actually worked for Carl Benz as head of production. So uh, he worked for Carl Benz as head of production and then started his own company, but then had a fallout um, about uh, or 10 years later um, with the board of directors. So um, he wasn't happy with the way that they were going. So he started his own company again, uh, a second company, but then he got sued because he had patented the name our, uh, or they had patented the name Hawk, so he couldn't use it anymore. Mm. And and there's a, a story that goes that he was sitting with a business partner looking at a name for his new company, and eventually the business partner's son came up with uh, with the idea of calling it Audi, which is the Latin translation of Hawk, and of course that means to listen. So that's where Audi comes in from. It's the Latin name of the founder. And the Four Rings actually has a whole different story because um, during the Great Depression in 1929, um, lots of motor companies were going down worldwide. Mm-hmm. And to um, um, and four companies were sort of in the same area. And to try and, or to make sure these companies were didn't lose out or didn't sort of um, all um, you know, so they kept surviving, um, they effectively formed a big company called Auto Union. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people would know because uh, Auto Union, you would see um, those four rings actually represented four companies that was part of Auto Union. So four companies actually were um, uh, uh, this big group called Auto Union. Um, and, and one of them, of course, was Audi. One of them was DKW. Mm. Um, and that's where the four rings come, came from. But they, they were still selling the, the different cars. Um, and then again, Mercedes-Benz owned Auto Union for a short time, for about six years, and then eventually sold them to Volkswagen. And then when Volkswagen started again, they then started selling Audis and use the four rings of Auto Union on the grill of the Audi. Wow. Nico, I want you on my team the next time we are playing 30 <laughs> seconds or <laughs> we're playing like drinking quiz games because you are an absolute historian of uh, all things motoring. Thank you so much. That was amazing. Thank you, Rich. Well, it was nice to check you, Bridget, and have a lovely weekend. Have an incredible Saturday, Nico. Uh, that was Nico Smith, our petrol head for the morning motoring with Nico, uh, bringing us to 9 o'clock. Amanda is already standing by with your nine o'clock news.